Welcome to the Brian Piergrossi Podcast, the podcast community for living your best life and creating a more beautiful world. Each episode, we inquire into the frontiers of inner peace, love, freedom, creativity, and empowerment with authors, artists, musicians, healers, spiritual teachers, yogis, activists, revolutionaries, entrepreneurs, comedians, scientists, psychologists, poets, mystics, and you. These conversations are unedited and always 100% authentic to how they happen. I'm your host, personal coach and author Brian Piergrossi. I've worked for over 13 years with thousands of people around the world to break through unconscious limiting belief systems and bring healing, transformation, and inspired manifestation to those who are ready and interested. For online personal sessions with me or in-person sessions with me in the magic of the Blue Ridge Mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, contact me at thebigglow.com. The sponsor of this podcast is you. If you appreciate our community, become a patron supporter at patreon.com slash thebigglow. Welcome to the Brian Percosi Podcast. That's me with my good friend, BJ. BJ Hardin-Jones. Hey. <laughs> Great to have you with us. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so I'm happy that we made it happen. Some, everything happens in perfect divine timing and order, you know? So you to be that way. You've been diving, you've been how long have you been working with the work? Or when did you first come in contact with Byron Katie? Not when did you first become familiar or become aware of Byron Katie? Mm-hmm. 2007. Um and um <laughs> and I remember that specifically my son had just been born, Asher. Uh, he was just mm, about a month and a half old. And my partner, Aaron, and I were hosting an event, open space event. And there was a woman who came to that gathering. Um, and there was something I was complaining about. Money. I was complaining about, like I was saying, um, people with money it makes them more greedy and something something like that and she just cut me off and she was like stop no (laughs) money cannot make you what you are not anything in our lives can only make us what we are um and then she was like i have something for you and it was an open space gathering which means the um the content was open for the participants to um, to determine and to plan together. And so she um, offered a session during the gathering, um, introducing the work, I think partly inspired by the conversation that we had. Um, 
And so I went and at the time I, I had, you know, a very young son. And so I didn't have a lot of focus or attention to give to it, but it just kind of stayed in the back of my mind for like maybe a year and a half or so. Um, and once I had a little more spaciousness in my schedule, I cracked open a book and then I was like, oh, like, wow, this woman is speaking to me. And it was just, it was like one of those, it, it wasn't like she was teaching me, it was like a remembering, right? You know, that, that kind of like when you get information that's like, I knew this, but I didn't quite know that I knew it. Like something yeah. is so true about what she's saying. Yeah. And so what was it that really stood out to you about this, this work, which is actually called the work? And yeah. there, there will definitely be some people listening who don't know who Byron Katie is or anything about her. Yeah. So maybe you could share who she is. Yeah. It's kind of fun yeah. because we're actually going to be establishing who two people are, which is, which is rare. Byron Katie and you. And maybe even me. And maybe you. <laughs> and maybe even you, the <laughs> listener. <laughs> who are you? Who are you? Good question. It's, it, I was thinking about this because this is like the whole kind of paradox of the whole thing, right? It's like mm -hmm. you're, you're defining a story of who someone is and who I am. Like, you know, who are you? And you tell the story of who you are. So I think as we go further here, we'll be inquiring into you know, there's the story and is the story true and, and so forth, but yeah. one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Byron Katie is a woman, she's alive today. Um, so far as I know, as of a few days ago, I believe she was breathing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, she has a, a story that's similar to Eckhart Tolle and a lot of people know of him. Um, they, yeah, they have similar stories where they had just this sort of like average life and, and reasonably successful in a lot of ways, but a lot of like depression, fear, anxiety, and then just like this downward spiral. They both had this like really parallel downward spiral that just like when they hit this bottom, something popped, something clicked, and they just like woke up. So yeah, Katie, the way she talks about it, um, it was in 1986 that she had this experience that she woke up, the way she says it, she woke up to a different reality. Um, and she had enough of a taste of it and enough of a desire to stay with that, that um, the way she says it is it never left. It never left her. Um, yeah, it seems like I was gonna say something else about that. Oh, about Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, so they, they're friends, the two of them are friends. And so um, what they say, one of the ways that they describe the similarities between what they point to is, what he points to is the what and what she points to is the how. So the work of Byron Katie is a method it's a process it's a, it's meditative self-inquiry um and and it consists of finding the stress the disturbances in our lives and then meditating on them to find our own truth 
because our stress, any stress in our lives, I mean, the way that I think of it is like, that's a disconnection in some way with my creator. Um, and it's a way that I don't feel safe or loved or accepted or, you know, it's one of those sort of fundamental like baseline, okay, you know, um, ways of being like, it's any stress in my life is some, it, you know, it could be subtle or it could be extreme, some way that I feel out of place or not held or not safe. Um, and so then I take it, take those moments and those thoughts through inquiry. And it's like each place of stress can become a doorway to like, <laughs> I mean, sitting in the lap of the divine mother is, is one way that it comes to me to say right now, like that's, that's an experience that I have is like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know it was this good. You know, it's, it's a mystical path, basically. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a way of discovering for ourselves the kindness of the universe. Mm. And so then it's, it's a process. It's, a, it's the how. Yeah. And so then what is the how? What is the process? Yeah. Yeah, so the process is um, specifically as I said before, finding, uh, uh, finding stress, finding a disturbance. And <clears throat> most often what we find, I, like I'll find a, a moment of stress in my life from the past. Mm -hmm. So, and the past could even be five minutes ago or it could mm -hmm. be, you know, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, so I find a moment of stress in my life. So let me see, I'll find one. Yeah, so for me, what just came was, or is a situation from, let's say, maybe like three years ago, and I was sitting in my living room with a friend, and she said something that for me was sudden and um, surprising, and so I'm like sitting with that moment, like, oh, I feel this sort of like jolt in my nervous system. So you find the moment, you find the situation. And then you allow the mind to speak in that moment. Mm -hmm. So, and one of the ways that I like to think about it is like, there's a hurt child, you, you know, let's say in that moment. And I let that one speak because I could, you know, I could bring my sort of spiritual lens to it. You know, I could bring my wise, compassionate, like, oh, she had something going on for her, you know, and that could be what I say about the moment. But that's not what I'm looking at. What I want to make space for, like, I make space in my lap for that hurt child. What does the hurt child have to say? Um, so in that moment, the hurt part of me, the mind says, She's lashing out. It's not fair. She's supposed to support me. Yeah, specifically in that moment because I had an understanding of what we were doing and, and I thought that we were on the same page of like, this is what we're gonna do now. And then 
Yeah. It felt to me as though she switched. She, mm-hmm. she, she came at me in a way that we hadn't agreed upon. So yeah, mm-hmm. so she's supposed to support me. Would you feel comfortable sharing what was said to you? Yeah, let's see. Just because it could be helpful for people in their own experiences to kind of relate to it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just see if I remember. I mean, it was several years ago now, but could like um, paraphrase it. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to that situation and it's, it's really helpful that you asked that question because it is really helpful mm-hmm. to sit in that moment as clearly as, as I can remember it. I remember she said, I'm angry. And then I have the sense that there was some accusation behind it. Like there was, I'm angry because you are Mm -hmm. speaking to me. Yeah. You are. Yeah. So I don't know if these were exactly her words, but the flavor was like, I'm angry because you're controlling me or something like that. Yeah. That's how you heard what she said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I think there was a key word even before we go further. Um, you said I, something like, I felt like she was supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's always how these things start. <laughs> you know, it's Absolutely. like this person is supposed to, they should. It's, it's yes. this, whole, this whole thing of like what's happening right now or what this person, if it's, if it's words, what this person's saying right now is not what, they're, not what they're supposed to say or not what they yes. should say. Absolutely. Uh, so just wanted to That's point it that out. Exactly. Yeah. That's it exactly. I mean, one of the sort of definitions that I often use of the work is coming to see the difference between my thoughts and reality. Mm-hmm. And, and when those two are in opposition, that's suffering. Yeah. And that's, that's all that suffering ever is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I come to see the difference and, and like, what's so crazy is we, we so often don't know the difference, right? And that's partly because I identify or we identify as the thinker, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I think I'm the one thinking, the thoughts that come, I take to be reality, you know? Yeah. So it's like the way that like I can be in a daydream and like lost in it, you know? And like, oh, I'm remembering this thing or thinking about this thing. And then you say my name and I'm, oh, I popped back, right? Mm-hmm. I was in that daydream in a way that it seemed as though it was real, right? Which isn't a problem a lot of times, like it can be great to go into daydreams, but then it's like, oh, what about when my daydream is a nightmare? Do I know how to wake myself up and bring myself back to reality and go like, was that reality or was that my thinking? And like knowing the difference, again, like offers this profound gateway into reality which is where the kindness and grace of the universe exists. Yeah. And it's like you, you get uh, attached, identified to a, a position uh, that's connected to a thought or a belief or a, a perspective. Yeah. Um, it's very, it's very interesting. Like just kind of seeing how that, and it can happen in such a, a, a subtle way. And I, I want to get back to 
how we go through the work, but I just, I think yeah. it's, just, I was feeling this is a really important conversation right now because it feels like we're getting increasingly polarized with ideas, mm. you know, yeah. polarized with attached yes. ideas. Like someone, someone posted on Facebook, it was a, a couple months ago, a month or two ago. And they were, they were saying something about, it was a question or it was a statement or something about is there going to be a civil war between um, the, the liberals and the conservatives, I guess, the left and the right, right? And I was like, well, how would you even know who's on which side? Like, it's just, it's just an idea inside. Like, I can't walk down the street and know who's like left or right, you know? So it's like, we get, the, it's like, we're having wars based on ideas that don't have anything to do with anything external that's happening. That I thought was really, what I think is really fascinating, you know, it's like, um, we get an idea of I'm, I'm this, you know, I'm left, I'm right, I'm, and you're, and you're the enemy, you're the, you know, so, right. and all, and, and it's like, you're building all of these, it's like you said, you're building like a, like a world, like a, you're, you're, you know, probably not consciously or intentionally, but you're building a world that seems real for you. Yeah. So maybe we can, as we go forward, maybe we can kind of explore like some things that are happening in the collective and um, questioning, you know, uh, well, questioning everything. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. So yes. So you, there's this woman and she, you hear something of the fact of like, she, she, you, you're making me angry, you know, yeah. that kind of a thing, which I'm very familiar with that, having that, you know, being communicated to me. Um, or having mm -hmm. that sense in myself of that's what that's what I'm hearing, yeah. right? And I have um, I've which I think you've 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 done some stuff with MDC too, right? Nonviolent yeah. communication. So I've I've immersed myself in that. So I I, I think of it in that way too. Of um, yeah. So okay, so she's she's thinking like you're making me angry, and then you have this these ideas that start running in your mind. That's not what she's supposed to be doing right now. She's supposed to be supporting me, yeah. essentially. Right. Okay. Right. Let's continue. Yeah. 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 So, so back to the, the process, just to recap again. Um, so first is finding the disturbance, right? So I found that moment. And then also finding, in parallel, finding what the mind is saying in that moment, finding the thought. So... I identified several, but I think let's say, let's go with in that moment, she's supposed to support me. Yeah, she's supposed to support me. Yeah, so then once I have the concept, the, um, the belief, then um, the process is asking, a series of questions mm -hmm. um, and I have here so this is like the formal process mm -hmm. um, I, have, I have a little card Great. that has yeah. the questions on it nice um, the first question is is it true the second question can you absolutely know that it's true the third question is how do you react what happens when you believe that thought and the fourth question is who would you be without the thought and then after that, there's a, um, an opportunity to experience the opposite of the original statement. Um, and it's called the turnaround. 
So I'll just walk us through that yep. again. Yep. So I anchor myself in that situation. So in other words, I see myself in my living room and there she is. And she's looking at me. Actually, she's facing me. I think her eyes are closed. That's what I see. So she's supposed to support me. And the first question is, is it true? So in finding the answer for number one and number two, the invitation is to find just a yes or a no. Um, and this initiates the process of inquiry. It's like it takes us out of discussion because it's no longer like, yes, because, or no, but, or all of the extraneous, I allow to be there for my process, but I get still enough to find just a yes or a no. And what often happens too is um, this process is done with a facilitator just to help hold the container. Um, yeah, so then my facilitator would say, she's supposed to support you, is it true? And then I would get still and check. Is it true for me is what I'm looking for, yes or no? She's supposed to support me. No. So in that situation, for me, it's not true anymore. I think I, think I have a question that moment in the past and I believe I have found a yes. Mm -hmm. And that's great. There's no right or wrong answer. It's honoring what's true for the one inquiring in the moment. Mm -hmm. So since I found I know, then I skip number two, which is can you absolutely know that it's true? And then I move to how do you react? What happens when you believe the thought? So one of the ways I think of that question is um, like the thought is like a seed, like floating in on the wind, like a little dandelion seed, let's say. Um, and when it's believed, it's like it's grabbed by the mind and then it plants it, you know? And so then when it's grabbed and planted, whoosh, what grows? and just watch what grows. So watch the impact of the, of the thought. Watch the impact of believing the thought. So again, how do you react? What happens when you believe the thought? This is question three. So I'm in that situation in the living room. She's supposed to support me. I immediately felt my face tingly and in, in my chest. I felt shocked. I felt surprised. I, I stopped breathing or I started breathing really shallow, maybe. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a shock sensation, like a jolt. Um, I felt scared. I felt unsafe.
So one of the things that, that we often look to also is like, what's going on in the past and future in my mind in that moment, right? So what images of the past do I see and what images of the future? Um, and so images of, of the past are like, oh my gosh, she's doing this again. Mm, right? yeah. So I, I see images of like, she's done this before, she's doing yeah. it again. And then the mind goes to, of course, she's going to do it again in the future. This right. is who she is. And now I'm just like, this is who she is. And then it's on, you know, then it's like, it's war. You know, it's like, uh, me against her. How could she do this? This is a delicate moment. Mm-hmm. We agreed to what was going to happen. She's betraying me, you know, so then it's like my ego is at odds with her mm-hmm. once I've identified who she is in that moment because I've placed her in past and future and I've said this is who she is. And I think that's a really big one in any kind of long term relationships yeah. is this thing of like they're doing it again. You know, here yeah. we go again. You yeah. know, so it's like, and, and just to get that ingrained in your mind and then. Yeah, it becomes this um, trigger point. Yeah, so. yeah. And what one of the, the pieces of this inquiry that's so powerful, I mean, for me, the whole thing is powerful, but just this simple noticing in that moment. So I'm looking at my friend in the chair, right? So let's say in that moment, I was looking at my actual friend in the chair. And as I was looking at her, I was also seeing her in the past and her in the future. So when I look at that past and that future and I believe them, like that's war. That's when war starts because, um, because I've, I, that, that is when my identity gets more solid and when her identity in my mind gets more solid because I've, I've made this timeline and I've made it real in my mind because I see that image and I think it's true. And what's so helpful. So to, to come back to what I was going to point to is like in that moment, which one is her? If I can only choose one, there's like the her in the past, there's the her in the chair and there's the her in the future. Right? So there's three. And maybe even more, because maybe you have multiple hers in the future and multiple hers in the past. Mm. Which one is her? There she is in the chair. And everything else in that moment is imagination. Right? Which can be really challenging to the ego to claim that because, because the ego has a stake in, no, that was her. She, she actually did that. And it's like, okay, she may have actually done that in the past, but the one you're looking at in your mind is that her, right? Because we think we can see past and we think we can see future. I mean, less, but we also think we can see future. You know, that's why like a car swerves in front of you. Like when I have that jolt response, I saw a future. I saw a future of a crash that I thought was real. That's what caused, right? The like jolt in my body. Um, <clears throat> so coming to see like, it may be true that she has done this before, 
but what am I looking at? Am I looking at reality or am I looking at a mirror reality? And like, to me, that's so huge and profound and like can really deconstruct all of the, the, the structure that creates identity. So <clears throat> I was thinking about uh, future when we, we, we imagine future and what struck me as interesting is how we, and even if scientifically when they, whatever the different field is, they model the future, they do, you know, these things where they project the future. We're modeling the future in our minds based on the patterns of the past. Mm -hmm. That's all we had. So we look at, this is what happened to them. You know, when someone swerves a car, there's an accident. Someone just swerved a car, there's probably going to be an accident. You know, yeah. so we just, we have this, this pattern prediction so it's yeah. like this happened this way a hundred times in the past is going to happen this way a hundred times. So then if you, if that's all you have, then you're just kind of locked in that. That's mm -hmm. kind of your reality that you're locked in. And then there's this kind of, you know, people call like self-fulfilling prophecy where you're just, that's all you can see. So then that becomes, you don't see the other, other possibilities around you. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting that future and past are actually like the same thing, just like yeah. projected in a illusionary different direction. Yeah. Um, so that's really fascinating. The other thing that really struck me, struck me is how, how do we, how do we, cause we have a need for security. You know, we want to feel like there's a sense of security, like, okay, I know what's happening. I know what's going on. Um, yeah. And so how do I feel secure with somebody generally is like the way it's often done is, um, I know you, I know this is, this is how you are. This is what you do. I'm going to, I label you. I, you know, it's almost like I'm thinking of like, there's a jar on the shelf and it's like, I don't know what it is. Well, let's find out and put a label on it. You know, okay. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so like yeah. we do that with people like this, this guy's an asshole. This one's, you know, whatever it is, yeah. these different things, you know? And um, so I love how you're pointing to, but who's the one that's here present in the moment yeah. because you can't, you can't put a label on that. You would have to pay attention. Yeah. You know, I think that's, what's really interesting to me about what you're saying is like, yeah, you can imagine this person in the past, you can imagine them in the future, but you can't imagine them in the present. You have to pay mm -hmm. attention to really be here and, and, yeah. and, and, and yeah, and be with them and, and, mm -hmm. and just, you know, be present to what arises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that puts me in mind of, um, or, or what I hear in my mind now is like some of the sort of like FAQ, you know, frequently asked questions of like, when I'm telling about the work, like often at this point, <clears throat> a lot of people will say, yeah, but so are you just saying like, I should just be okay with everything? Yeah. And absolutely not, <laughs> right? <laughs> absolutely not. You know, if there's, if there's abuse in your life, you know, or like there, there's someone who you have experienced consistently, you know, interact with you in a way that doesn't feel right. You know, the, one of the ways that Katie says it is then question any thought that would keep you in that situation. Mm -hmm. You know, why are you saying? Um, because there is an intelligence that naturally moves me away from harm. Mm hmm. Right. And yeah. so, but then I don't have to, I, the, the, I, who I think I am, doesn't have to be the one who's doing it. 
you know, and it, and it can be, be based on these ideas of the past, but I'm not lost in the past. You know, it's mm-hmm. reference material. It's mm-hmm. there. It's on the shelf, but it's not who I think I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's useful to know, yeah, this person has treated me this way several times and I notice I move away from them. Yeah, it is. And I think that what's, what's important to acknowledge there is that this is just that this is just a fact of the universe people change Mm. you know in fact everything is always changing every single second you know so it's like and it can can go either way where you could feel like you're in a healthy dynamic with somebody and maybe you're just assuming that that's it's like whoa actually something doesn't feel right here you know we need something to be addressed or it could be like this person's an asshole you know but they've made some shift in their consciousness but you can't see it because you're still looking at the old person and you can't Absolutely. forgive and you can't open. Absolutely. So, so I, th- I think that's an important, that's an important component here of like, yes, this is what's happened in the past, but what's happening now. And can you, um, it doesn't mean that I, I like what you're saying. Like, it doesn't mean that you just totally disregard everything that's ever happened and you, and you just, yeah. you know, ignore it or repress it or suppress it, but it's not what's happening now. So it's like, yeah having that information, but can you continue, can you continue to look again and again, you know, with fresh eyes? Yeah. Yeah. And like in relationships, you know, with, with the kind of, um, you know, people that we hang out with who like geek out on this stuff, you know, where, where there is intimacy and, and maybe there has been, um, you know, hurt in the past. Mm -hmm what starts to happen and what can start to happen is like, you know, like I can refer to something in the past, you know, and I can go, so Brian, right now I'm feeling nervous. I am remembering that time that you said you were going to do this thing and then you did the other thing, you know, so I can acknowledge I'm having this up in my, in my system. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm, I'm working to, to know that that's not who you are. And, you know, maybe it would be really helpful to me right now to have some reassurance that, you know, you're going to honor, you know, yeah. whatever the thing is. Yeah. So, but, so it, it becomes conscious and it can become part of the fabric of the conversation too. That's an important example because I, I, I get it. Like when people first kind of start feeling into this sort of thing, they, they can think it's like a denial of feelings, you know, or denying, exactly. but it's actually like the opposite. It's actually going truly authentically and, and, and sincerely and vulnerably into what is the feeling of the into. moment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. But then there's a, there's a, there's an important distinction that happens, right? And maybe talk a little about this of I'm feeling angry that's that's the truth of what's happening for me i'm feeling angry mm. you know yeah. you made me angry now we get into a story where you may feel like you didn't make me angry i may feel like you did make me angry now we're going to argue for an hour or two about did you make me angry yeah. did you not make me angry yeah and the, so i fight so that so yeah can you speak to that a little bit yeah I the mean, difference between um, the feeling and the story sure Sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's really potent. Um, being, yeah. And, and being able to like do that is like really, mm-hmm. you know, advanced. Especially advanced when you're, work, when you're right? fired up, you know? Yeah. Right. Because the feeling itself is an indication that um, to some extent the thought is believed, you know, 
So like, for instance, in, in that example, like, let's say, you know, you did something that like, in, to me, in my mind, let me down before, mm -hmm. you know, like you said you, you were going to do a thing and you didn't do it, you know? Well, I like, so, I like the idea too of like what you said of like feeling like someone doesn't support you. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting one because I was thinking about that too, is like, depending on the label we have on somebody, like if, if, if I'm like, Hey, you're my friend, you're supposed to support me, you know? Yeah. But if I don't think you're my friend, if you're just some random stranger, I might not have the same expectation on right. you. So it's just interesting how like, you know, we, there's, we had the, the idea of who that person is. This is really big with like husband and wives and partners and a lot yeah. of expectations or this person's supposed to do this and supposed to do that. They're supposed to make me feel happy. It's supposed to, all these things are supposed to do for me, you know? Right. Um, children, if you have children or parents, you know, the, the family dynamics, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's just, that's just really interesting how we, we label the person and then with that label, we, we put these expectations on them of what they're supposed to do for us. Yeah. Right. Which in any moment when I have an expectation of what someone is going to do again, it's having confused my thought with reality. Mm -hmm. Right. So I can have this thought of like, yeah, I, you know, for instance, I wanted you to show up here at 10 o'clock on the zoom call. You know, I had it, I had that expectation. Right. If I get that confused with, with reality and you didn't show up at 10, you know, then I start to experience, um, you know, that I experienced that in my system Yeah. when I'm able to see, Oh, I have that expectation. And let's say you didn't show up. I'm able to see the difference. I can, I'm in reality and I'm aware of my thinking that would oppose reality, but I don't have to believe it. And I think that points to, to what, um, what you were speaking about before of, of having, yeah, of having the expectation, like I can still speak to, you know, I can still point to in our, in our relating, um, my memory is that we said we were going to do this thing, mm -hmm. but I'm not lost in it because I'm not, I'm not thinking that one in the past is me and I'm not thinking that one in the past is you. I'm aware that it's thought and I'm aware that I'm here now and there can still be this refinement. I can still refer to it, you know, so let's work this out. I, I had the expectation that you would be here at 10 you know, and I noticed you didn't show up at 10. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to do this in the future? You know, whatever, so, however it is, we yeah. work this out. This is really good. So there's a couple of things here. So one is, um, just so everyone's clear, I did show up at 10, but we're just using an example here. Yeah. But it's really good because it's like that case, there's an agreement that two people made and then the other person's not, not honoring the agreement. Yeah. But what can happen and i this does happen to you know i've i've seen this happen on both ends is you get really worked up like oh this bastard they didn't show and it's like if you get yeah. home they're like oh, i'm so sorry my mother died you know it wasn't you know it's like these yeah. it's like we get these stories running of what what's happening without actually knowing yeah. what's happening right. um well and what's so juicy to me about that like when for me when inquiry is alive inside of me like those are good moments. Those are golden moments. When I start being in those moments where like, oh my God, he rejected me, he abandoned me, he hates me, he doesn't respect me, like whatever meaning yes. I make of yeah. if you're a minute late or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, 
that is so good because those are the moments that I bring to inquiry that deliver me through that doorway to show me more freedom, right? Those are, those are what point me to the separation that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. So, so much of our, so much of our feelings um, are created by our beliefs or our stories about what's happening. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So the way that, that Katie says it is emotions are the effect of thinking. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And often we become aware of the emotion first. Yeah. Um, and, and that's because we think we're the one thinking, right? So we're, we're blind to the thought because we think it's just what is, mm-hmm. right? It's the belief. It's, it's, it's right, the, the belief. It we think the belief be the is the reality. Of reality. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. Are and there so any the feeling is there to wake us up to it? Got it. The feeling is there to wake us up to a belief system that's like discordant or out of a, out of alignment out of alignment with reality. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Are there any feelings that are not based on beliefs or thinking? Um, you know, so far as I can tell, no. Mm-hmm. So far as I can tell. Sometimes someone <laughs> might have a feeling and not know why they might not, not know that what the belief is that's triggering the right the feeling. Right. The and that's that's really common. Yeah. That, that's and that's why we go through the inquiry process, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, what was that? What was that feeling? Let me sit mm-hmm. with that. Like, yeah. Do you feel like sometimes people, because this is something I've been kind of looking at with some people, you know, particularly actually more, I would say more um, generally, or it could be anybody, but more women. I find sometimes they're feeling something intense that's, that's maybe kind of collective. It's not mm-hmm. even like personal mm-hmm. to them. Do you find that there's sometimes there's something yeah. that's, it's not, a, it's not a personal thing, but maybe there's just a collective energy in the field that's, there's a sadness in the collective energy. Or yeah. yeah. So it does seem as though that can happen. Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell, it's a paradox because um, it's, it's as though I can experience the sadness of the collective, mm-hmm. but the closer I get to the truth, it's really my projection of the collective, right? Mm. It's my, it's my world. Yeah. And my sadness that I put out there and I lose track of it. And I, and I, and it's so, it's so potent in my own, um, in my own journey of suffering is like most of the suffering that I experience at this point, I do put out there and I still experience it. Like Mm. that's where my suffering is is quote unquote out there. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I suffer on behalf of everyone else. And then I yeah. want everyone else to stop suffering. I have to take care of my suffering that I'm doing thinking it's everyone else's suffering. Yeah. 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 This is big. Yeah. I mean, I feel, um, cause I would think about this too is like, why is there, why when it comes to politics do people get so crazy <laughs> like the, the, it, there's this thing of like like the stuff that i've seen over the past like 
few months, like, like proje uh, projected toward politicians, like this person should be hung, this person should be shot, this person should be, mm -hmm. you know, tortured yeah. or whatever, all these different things, you know, and it's across the board. Yeah. It's, it's not just one, it's different, you know, people on the left or right or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, wow, like, these are people that are normally like, just like, you know, nice, loving, kind people. Yeah. All of a sudden this thing gets triggered. Yeah. And I, I don't think they're aware of, you know, this kind of, it's, it's hatred. That's what I'd call it. It's hatred that mm -hmm. comes out and like, you know, hoping, hoping someone suffers or hoping someone dies or hoping someone is tortured or this kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. And so it just, it feels like, and it could be, this could also, people do this sometimes with celebrities, you know, um, uh, professional athletes, um, the, you know, the guy that lost the game or something, but mm. it's like, we're taking all the stuff that's in ourselves, I think a lot of times, and we don't want to kind of address it in ourselves. So we project it onto somebody else. Not that, not that the other person may not, they probably have that in them too, yeah. but it's extra amplified because we want to just project it on the, on the person and not acknowledge any of it in ourselves. Yeah. 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 Does that resonate for you? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's so much easier to see, um, the mind is so much clearer. For instance, my mind is so much clearer about like your life and what you should do than yeah. it is about my own. And that's because I think I'm the thinker, right? So I get lost in, again, like what seems to be the fabric of reality. And so my projections onto you can be so much clearer. And that's, that's why in the, in the work of Iron Katie, we most often judge someone else um, rather than, you know, judging myself, at least to begin with, um, because the mind, you know, is more willing to say, you know, um, so let's say my, my friend in, in the living room, like she, um, you know, was disrespectful to me. She, um, you know, whatever the thing is, it's harder for me to see what my part was or it'll move around. It'll get slippery mm -hmm. because the, the mind's job is to prove that what it believes is true. And it's, it's job is to stay identified because we've asked it to, you know, we've mm -hmm. asked through our belief, we've asked the mind to continue to show this voice in my head. That's me. Keep showing me that that's, that's true. So it fights for its life, you know? And at the same time, what's so fascinating is the mind is a friend, you know, and, and it doesn't have its own agenda or attachment. It uses my own what I've, what I've told it to do. It uses the programming that I've given it, which is so fascinating. And, 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 and actually the mind wants to know the truth is what I found too. Like the, the, the mind, like once I find something that's true for me in inquiry, the mind will shift there with, with no problem, you know, with so much ease. It's like, ah, oh, that's what it is. Okay, great. That's what we're going with now. But I think what's really interesting about the it's it's easy to judge someone else and um, and project onto someone else and make it about someone else. 
because yeah. then I don't, I don't need to take responsibility for what mm -hmm. I'm feeling or what I'm experiencing or what's, you know, what's happening in the content of my consciousness. Yeah. So, but the other side of that is then I can't, I can't break free of it or transcend it either. Yeah. So I find that that's for me that I think that's been a huge shift through my life is, and I think everybody that I know that's, that's been on this path for a while, this is the shift that, that I would say most everybody makes is for me, the shift of taking responsibility for my thoughts, for my feelings, for my beliefs, um, yeah. for, yeah, that, that's the, because then there's like an empowerment that comes from mm -hmm. that and, and the ability yeah, to, yeah. to transcend it where if I'm always blaming you for what I'm feeling, then I need you to change, but I can't make you change, but then I'm trying to control you to exactly. make you change. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which I think that that takes us back into, you know, the transition from question three to question four in the process. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, so question three is what happens when, when the seed, you know, lands and is planted, how do you react? What happens when you believe the thought? So often I, I want to hold on to the thought because I think that's what I am. Right. And mm -hmm. if it changes, it appears as though that's death. Right. Right. If yeah. the thought is what I am, go of the thought i'm done for i'm gone i'm i will be obliterated right from the perspective of the ego of the identity that's mm -hmm. what happens mm -hmm. when the mind is questioned mm -hmm. and so then i can sit in the next question is who would you be without the thought so and that's actually finding out so again i'm going to return to my living room who would i be what is my presence like, right? Like, let's use the seed metaphor again. Like the thought comes in and it's, it doesn't get replaced with something else. It's just, what would happen if that thought came and just didn't have anywhere to land and just left? So the thought was, she's supposed to support me. Who would I be in that moment in my living room without that thought? So to actually touch in Who would I be without the thought? Immediately my breath returns, right? I'm mm -hmm. breathing more deeply. I see myself in that moment as opposed to past, future, past, future, past, future. Mm -hmm. I see myself in my chair. I see her in her chair. There's just immediately so much more stillness. So much more resource is available to me. I hear my friend, she's angry. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole different situation, right? Like I, I'm present, I can be with her. Um, and after step four, then there's the opportunity to experience the opposite, which is the turnaround. So then I, I opened my mind to, could it be that um, I was misjudging this situation? You know, could it be that the opposite may have been going on? So there's many ways to look at the opposite. So she was supposed to support me can become, I was supposed to support her. 
Yeah. Right. So in that situation, is that true? And then it's like, oh my gosh, you know, is that what I agreed to? I thought I agreed to something else. It could be maybe that I agreed to something else. Like, I don't know. Let me go back and check. Um, and so then I look to see, does that, does that feel true? And, and it's, it's not about convincing myself. You know, it's not about replacing one thought for another, but it's just being open to what was actually going on. So that's one possibility. I was supposed to support her. I was supposed to support me. That's another possibility in that situation. And how was I not supportive of me in my truth and my re reality when I, you know, put my expectations onto her and I didn't see her for who she really is. Um, and then there's the direct opposite, which, it, which is she wasn't supposed to support me, you know, which is like, wow, that could be true. You know, I could go back and check like, okay, before we sat down in the living room to do this thing, what did you think you agreed to? You know, what do you remember? You know, just out of curiosity and out of wanting to know her and out of wanting to like, you know, work together more seamlessly in the future. Like, this is what I took away. Let me learn about you. You know, it's like, curiosity comes online openness comes online freedom really comes online mm -hmm. like my awareness can go anywhere i'm safe i'm safe you know the way katie says it is the worst that can happen is what i'm thinking and believing you know which can be pretty radical it's and it, and it is pretty radical like considering you know let's say all all the terrible things that that are going on and that seem to be going on in the world. Um, and could it be, could it be that those situations, those experiences are here to wake us up to our true nature, you know, and could it be that those are actually a dream, you know, pointing us back to connection with our creator? Yeah. It could. it could. It could. I'm open. I'm open. I'm still, you know, 13 years in testing that out. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, I, I just think it's, it's fascinating. The, the assumptions and labels that we, so we're looking a lot here, like inter, interpersonal, interrelational stuff the assumptions and labels that we put on people um, and then how, and not, not that it's, not that it's bad or, or good, but how then there's this whole series of um, assumptions. Um, they may be agreements, but a lot of times they're assumptions. I think that's, a, that's what I was getting at earlier. It's different. So like yeah. there's a, there's the agreement of like, we're going to meet at 10 AM and then someone doesn't do it. And then we need to talk about what, what happened there what's going on. But there's also this thing of like, um, like I was feeling, I was feeling, you know, couldn't you tell I was feeling sad this morning? Why didn't, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you do something? Yeah. So we didn't agree to that. I'm making an yeah. assumption that you, and I'm mad at you because you didn't, you didn't support me. Right, right. So, so there's, there's these kind of assumptions that we start running. The other person may not even be in that same, um, they might have, may, 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 may be thinking about the same thing at all. 
but we're, we have these assumptions that, that are there. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's almost like there's like these, these, these layers of, there's the, there's these deeper rooted beliefs. And then there's like, I was thinking about what you're saying about, you know, kind of the collective, yeah. like I could have a belief that just, this is a miserable world. Yeah. You know, and then I'm feeling a lot of sadness and a lot of anger about the world and a lot, you know, just in the kind of in this whole thing. And I'm so convinced that it's a miserable world yeah. without questioning is that reality? Right. You know, um, yeah. I may have experienced, well, I may have experienced some things that are very painful and I may have seen yeah. things that are very painful, but does that mean it's a miserable world? Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and, and when something is believed, right? So we mm -hmm. talked about this before. When, when, a, when a thought is believed that opposes reality, I'm going to feel that, mm -hmm. right? And, yeah. and often, so let's take it's a miserable world. Um, often what I feel, I take then to be proof that it's a miserable mm -hmm. world, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than an indicator that I'm believing something. Mm-hmm. You know, so we look to our feelings often as proof, you know, well, how do I know it's a miserable world? God, I feel like <laughs> shit. Yeah. I feel it. As soon as I believe it's a miserable world, uh -huh. I don't want to get up. You know, I want to stay in bed. I'm angry. People piss me off, you know, like, and then it's, it, it it's, um, you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. It becomes, I'm looking to prove that. And mine does a great job. Mine does a great job at proving it. But, you know, like I have a friend who um, facilitates this process. And one of, the, uh, one of the things that he likes to point to, which is, has been very helpful to me, is like we look to our feelings as proof. But here's a, an easy like, example that can help us sort of, you know, take that apart. So think of a time when... Um, you know, you were running late to something, you know, and you, you had that feeling of like, I'm late, I'm late, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, oh, it's, it's so true. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to yeah. be late and everybody's going to be there and they're going to look yeah. at me, you know, and it feels so true, right? Yeah. It feels as though the feeling is my proof. And then actually you pull up and you walk in and you're two minutes early, you know, nobody's even there yet. Mm -hmm. Right. But so it, it seemed true. The, the feelings were giving you the proof. I'm late. You know, this light won't change colors. This person in front of me, you know, like, ah, oh. but then you actually pull up and I'm not late. So it's like, you know, just finding those little windows into like, oh, right. Like that, that helps me see it's possible. My feelings aren't proof. Okay. Now, now for a, for a meta question. Yeah. Are there any thoughts that are true? So no, in my experience, <laughs> no. Right. So, so, and, and what I mean by that is the thought itself isn't reality ever. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, that just, that takes us to the beginning of the Tao Te Ching. The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. As soon as I call a tree a tree, I've tried to capture it, you know, I've tried, I've limited its nature. 
you know, and so we can say, so, you know, look out the window, is that a tree? On one level, yes, that's what we call those things, you know, those beautiful living beings. But is that what it is? No, the thought itself will never point us back to reality. So that so that, that that realization, it feels like it. it I'm feeling into it right now. It's like I feel so humble, you know, because I think that I know so many things, and these people don't know what they're talking about, and um, I have the right position, they have the wrong position. Um, so like realizing that there's, there is no thought that's true. I feel like humble. I feel like kind of like a sense of like, like, like more relaxed, not as tense, yeah. more easy, more open, yes. more, more, more open to listen yeah. more open to be curious, right? be interested. So it feels like that that creates this whole other possibility for how we can relate to each absolutely. other. Absolutely. What's interesting in that though, too, is there can be this thing of like, so let's explore this. So there can be this thing of like, people have this awakening or opening. And I think I've, I've kind of been through various stages of this myself where it's like, How, how is it possible to recognize that no thought is true and still have a position on something? Does he get, do you get what I'm pointing at? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I experienced that. Yeah. 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 So it's yeah. like, but you're kind of and holding, you're kind of holding both at the same time. So if there's a different, you're holding it in a different way than you would if that's all you, you that was, that's, that was your whole reality. If you were attached and identified right. to it. Right. Well, okay. So here's a metaphor that's helpful to me sometimes because, you know, talking about this stuff can be so slippery and like, what are we yeah. even talking about? Yeah. So, so if we used um, physics um, as, as an example, or like, I don't know if I use the right term, like quantum physics or, you know, like if you, if you start looking at what, what is what is all this made of you know like let's say this this card what is this made of i want to like understand and we start looking at the particles you mm -hmm. know and then you get a powerful microscope and you like zoom in oh and it's like oh it's actually made of only a few tiny things and mostly there's space well okay so let me zoom into that tiny thing what is that made of and i zoom into that and like oh that's actually only made of like this energy and then like mostly space okay well then let me zoom into that oh well that's you know the more we understand about reality in, 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 from the science perspective, it's like, there's, it's not things. We're not, we're not looking at things. We're not interacting with things. We're actually interacting with space and energy. Mm -hmm. And a wave, not a to particle. me, it's the, yeah. And to, and to me, the, um, <laughs> exactly. And we have the option to see it as a particle, you know, and that's free will. Yeah. And, and it's the same, like I have the option to appear as though I'm an I, as though I'm a separate self. I'm BJ, mm -hmm. I'm over mm -hmm. here. And that's my, mm -hmm. I have that freedom. Mm -hmm. I can do that. Mm -hmm. And it can be exciting to do that. I love the drama. I love the, mm -hmm. you know, like I get to dress up and like, 
decorate this self, right? Yeah. And then there's also, so, and, and so thoughts appear to be things as well, right? Like mm-hmm. they sort of like in this metaphor, mm-hmm. they're, they're substance. Mm-hmm. But then in reality, what's going on when I disidentify with thinking, what's there is awareness. Mm-hmm. And so awareness actually is a whole different paradigm of mm-hmm. operating from awareness. And awareness can hold a position, you know, in my experience. It's like yeah. I'm aware that I'm on this convers- in this conversation right now. You know, like let's say my son comes to the door and like wants my time you know, once my attention right now, I can be like, I'm in an awareness that I'm mm-hmm. on this call with you right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to, you know, in, engage with you. Mm-hmm. I can make a choice and, and have a preference, you know, with through awareness, rather than through identity, mm-hmm. which, which is limited, and based in past and future, which is illusion. Yeah, and it's almost like from this awakened consciousness, like the position is arising spontaneously. I think that's how right. I kind of, it kind it's, of feels. It's like, I don't yes. even know why this is what I feel, but this is what's coming through in this moment, you know? Right. So then there's not this kind of like resentment and anger, or there's not this right. kind of energy around it that's, that's battling anybody. Exactly. Just, yeah. And it's, and it's because I'm open, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm open for him to come to the door. I'm mm-hmm. open to give him a no or to give him a yes. If I find that, mm-hmm. you know, like if it was like, mm-hmm something I needed to take care of. I'm open to saying, Brian, I need to go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm thinking about it on more of a kind of a, kind of a social level too, with different kind of issues that, you know, people take positions on one side or the other. Like, first of all, the, the first illusion is there's two sides. It's like, no, there's like yeah. a million different yeah. sides. <laughs> it's not like there's just yeah. two, two ways of looking at something. So it's like, which yeah. side are you on? You know, but, um, but there can be like, so I was, here's an example. So, um, here's what I'd say was one position for me. I feel like freedom of speech is important to me. Mm. So yeah. um, when I see like people getting censored on social media, just, you know, for their, for an opinion, that's not the, 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 whatever the kind of mainstream narrative, or it's a different, it's not a common way of looking at things and they're yeah. getting censored or they're getting removed from social media. Um, I, there's something in me that doesn't like that. And there's a feeling of like, I think it's better to have freedom of speech and everyone to be able to express their perspectives and their angles. And if someone disagrees with that, they can have a conversation about it and explore the different angles and stuff. So, so then it's like, I like to go like, can I see the other side of it too? And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I can. I can see their side. Like people want people to feel safe. They don't want them getting information that could, they feel could hurt them or make them do something that's irresponsible or something. So I can like, I can see that side. Um, and I still think my side, I like my side, my side better, but, mm-hmm. but I think if we just could have conversations, that's more like, this is what I'm noticing is my position. If we want to call it that word, but this is, this is my this is what comes up for me in regards to this topic, you know, yeah. and here's how I'm looking at this topic. And if we don't have, because I think what's happening right now, I see so much is like, this is my team. And we all think this way about all these topics. And this is, yeah. the, these are the bad guys. 
and they're, they're the enemy and they all think this way. And then which, which side are you on, you know, kind of feeling into, are you, are you on our team or are you on the other team? You know? Um, so as opposed to like, I'm not getting any identification through this, through this position on this. I, I'm not getting any sense of who I am. In fact, I could, I'm totally open to looking at it a different way tomorrow. If you can, if, if I can see more information or I can gather something that looks different, I'm open to looking at it different or expanding my perspective on it. Yeah. Um, that feels like, so like talking through that, it's like, well, yeah, if we could like, you know, go more into the work like this and kind mm -hmm. of liberate ourselves more from the attachment to ideas and beliefs as being a kind of a validation for who we are, right? Then mm -hmm. we could be able to communicate with about things on a whole different level and really kind of explore um, yeah. what's the best way forward, you know, for, yeah. for us. Yeah, yeah, totally. And what can also be so juicy about stepping into those conversations is again, like if I take them as a pathway to my freedom, you know, if I, like for instance, uh, a few years ago, my car, I would regularly listen to um, Christian radio station um, that, that there, there was a lot that resonated for me. There was a yeah. lot that felt like care yeah. and love yeah. and uplifting. Yeah. And there was a lot also that felt like obligation and programming and things that I felt um, I felt resistance to in yeah. my system yeah. and I would listen to that station. And then I, 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 cause I, because I was proactively interested in showing it, showing myself what I resist mm -hmm. because then again, that would bring me to more freedom, mm -hmm. you know, and take mm -hmm. me into the lap of the divine mother mm -hmm. and like, Oh, like this Christian radio station is here for me. Like this, it's good. It's good. You know? Um, and just sort of, um, you know, on, on one end of the sort of philosophy perspective, I think um, that we are in a moment of a lot of polarization, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and seeming separation because this is a moment of transformation mm -hmm. of consciousness. And that's what I experience in myself. Like when when a thought, when a, a piece of my identity is ready to shift, it shows up more in my awareness. It shows up more. And then I'm able to sit with it and I love you. I welcome you. You're free to be here. And then it automatically on its own can dissolve and collapse. You so know, you're because saying like then it's things are coming to the surface right now in order to be released. Is that kind of what could be let go? That's, that's an option. Yeah. yeah, or to yeah. be held on to, you know, yeah. like that's yeah. an option too. But when things come up, like it's kind of like they come up into your awareness and it's like, oh, now I, now I, I didn't even know that was in me before. Because I was yeah. thinking about that before is like, are things getting worse or are, the, are there things that have always been there that are now coming into awareness, kind of what you're saying, coming into awareness to be dealt with in some way? Yeah. So on a less sort of esoteric note, I think one of the things, one of the factors of what's going on on the planet right now is um, 
we're finding out what's going on through social media, which, you know, has never been, you know, what's happened before. Like you find out from your neighbor who may or may not agree with you. You find out from the newspaper, you know, you can choose which newspaper you subscribe to, but there's still, there's still like, there's an awareness of like, which newspaper am I reading kind of thing. And I think from my perspective, um, there's a lot of filtering that goes on through social media that we become blind to, you know, like, let's say, for instance, you and I have exactly the same friends on Facebook, you know, let's say mm-hmm. we're both friends with 3000 people, and it's the exact same people. So I would assume I'm seeing the same things pop up on my thing that you're seeing. But that's mm-hmm. not necessarily the case, because it starts to filter, it sees which things I like, or, you know, yeah. so I think there's actually a lot going on that, um, that these tools that we use start to filter, you know, and I think, you know, oh, whatever information I have about Biden, whatever information I have about Mm -hmm. Trump is the same that you have, you know, so then I'm like, well, obviously you should think the way that I think, didn't you read that thing? And no, you didn't because you're not seeing the You read the other thing. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. A, A couple points on that. Like, I totally agree with that and the first thing is, is that we're also filtering ourselves. So this is a big thing that's happening now where it's like, you know, oh, this person said something I didn't like. I unfriended them. I blocked them. You know, yeah. um, I, I personally don't do that. Like I'm, I want to have a little bit of a diversity of perspectives. I don't want, I don't, I don't want or need anybody to think exactly like I do to mm. love them or feel connected. I actually find it interesting if there's some, you know, variation of way people looking at things or seeing things. So that's one thing I noticed is like, you know, unfriending, blocking, you know, you know, this, this whole thing of like, there's like, if, if you're, if you're my neighbor, I can't just block you or delete you. I have to figure out how to get along with you, you know? Yeah. But now or build just, a high fence or. Yeah. 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 Right. But now we just block people or unfriend people. And it's like everybody, yeah. it's the, the connections. I'm not saying everyone's like this, but the connections are being based on, attachment to the same beliefs yeah you know as opposed to something deeper than that yeah um yeah. so that's one thing that's interesting and then the, yeah. this, the, the other thing and i feel like you and i are, are i love the christian radio thing i feel like you mm-hmm. and i are, are are similar in this like because like from our conversations like we'll both like to sometimes intentionally go into an environment that's like very different to what we're what we're used to or what we're kind of yeah. like been conditioned to just yeah. to see what happens, what, what opens up or what's kind of, you know, what does that, what does that bring out in us? Or, or how do these people look at things? Or how do they see things? Or what's going on there? And I really would invite everybody listening now more than ever to make space to do that because we're getting kind of locked in our own. Thank you, know, you for being a part of this amazing community. Um, the Brian Pierbrosi podcast is produced by Brian Pierbrosi. Assistant so producer, you Giovanni Pierbrosi. You know, Please subscribe and leave a review the or comment on Apple, Spotify, to, SoundCloud, to, you know, go to the YouTube, of town or wherever you get your podcast. See what's happening? So you do these kind of, ex- they're like experiments. You can find me online on Facebook or Instagram. For personal podcast. sessions with me, and contact me at thebigglow.com. That's T-H-E-B-I-G-G-L-O-W. Like it's either it has been working for them or it is working for them currently. 
but there's a reason and and if you kind of kind of kind of spend time and, and get to at least different kinds of people you'll find even if you don't agree with it or it's not for you um you start to understand where people are coming from and it, it opens yeah. up more of a sense of compassion and, and connection to this other reflection of yourself who's doing yeah. things differently yeah 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 and and again one of the things that katie says that's so poignant to me that's is um, if I believed what they believed, I would make the same choices yes. that, they're that they're making. Exactly. Yeah, and, I love that. And the more that I understand belief in myself, like it's so challenging to separate myself. It can be so like such a, a, a process and a practice to separate who I am from what it is that I believe, right? So yeah, the compassion really can turn on. It's like, yeah, it, it seems as though this person is really lost in that belief. And like, mm -hmm. what what is it that I think they're guilty of? In the end, they're guilty of believing their thoughts. And gosh, do I know how challenging it can be to question my thinking because it seems as though I'm going to die. When I think that, you know, when I think that thought is what I, I am. That's another interesting uh, criticism I've heard from some people about Byron Katie, who I think don't fully understand uh, the work, is that it lacks compassion or it lacks some kind of mm. empathy. But I think if you yeah. if you take it to its to its depths, it's actually you're actually seeing how you know how that person right is actually like like what you just said like they're. If you had their beliefs, you would, you would be who they are. And in the deepest sense, it's like you actually are who they are, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of the deepest level of compassion that's deeper than a belief of compassion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you. Actually, I've wanted to ask you for a really long time. And it's about... <laughs> You're like, oh, where's this going to go? No, it's about um, Law of One. And <laughs> I'm excited. I, I, mm. I, I always wondered, like, do those two go together? Do, I'm getting a thing that my internet is unstable. Oh, I think yeah. I think we're okay, though. Do those two go together, Law of One and Byron Katie? Obviously, there is a sense that they do because you're, you're a resident in both of them. But, but I want to inquire into that. Because it, it seems like on one level, like law of one has a lot of beliefs and a lot of stories and a lot of like ideas. And it feels mm. like the work of Byron Katie mm. is about not having beliefs. So that's my question to you is, is like, how do you mm. feel into those two, those two things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, do you think the people who uh, are watching the video will generally have a sense of the law of one? So, good point. Better? Good point. I, that's a good point. That's a good <laughs> point. That's a good time to point out that um, BJ's partner, Aaron, actually did a podcast mm -hmm. with me about law of one. Yes. In the past, yes. which everybody like can a look year and up. Like a half ago, maybe. Everybody can look up, and we talk a lot about law of one. But for those who haven't listened to that podcast, um, yeah, I don't think we have to get into a whole big thing about it, but it's a, it's a, it's a channel teaching. Um, yeah. Um, what, what you take it from there? It's a channel teaching that, that I know has been yeah. ins inspiring to a lot of people, and I've found some inspiration in it myself. 
Um, yeah. And it talks about the universe and, you know, go ahead. You, 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 you share what. Yeah. So the shorthand for me um, is a, it's a channeled um, teaching on the spiritual evolution of humankind. Um, and the scope is a lot broader than that too, mm -hmm. um, in terms of what they talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, and they being, they call themselves Ra, a social memory complex mm -hmm. known as Ra. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they're basically like angelic beings. They don't yeah. exist. They don't, they don't live here on earth. They don't live in physical form. Yeah. Um, and they're a collective soul. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's a lot that they that they talk about. They they break down sort of a cosmology um, of oneness, you know, and um, and maybe we can we can we can broaden this out more of not just law of one, but any let's say like navigational tool that someone is using yeah. to try to make sense of the universe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like how so it's like it seems like there's a series of beliefs that's there. Mm. Um, mm. And how does that, how do you approach that from the work and how, how do you, how do you come into alignment? With yeah. That? So from my perspective, I don't make, make it a story about beliefs. Mm -hmm. I don't make it that this is what Ra believes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I make it that this is Ra's direct experience or their mm -hmm. direct experience mm -hmm. of of reality. Yeah. Um, and for myself, I notice that, you know, I do question my own beliefs. I, I notice where I may or may not start to take in those words mm -hmm. as belief, right? Mm -hmm. Which again, um, would, would, if I, in as much as I take it as a belief, it steers me away from reality. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's so, it's such a paradox. Like I think we don't actually understand what belief is mm -hmm. like, Oh, if something's true, I should believe it. And in reality, believing something actually steers me away from the truth of it, mm. which is so fascinating. So I notice in myself when I start to believe sometimes what, what Ra's saying, and I, and I notice some sort of stickiness or, or, or resistance to something else, you know, like someone will say something and I'll be like, no, Ross is the opposite. You know, I'm like, oh gosh, I, I made a belief about that. Mm, I question yeah. that, you know, like, yeah, where am I resisting, you know, and, and being close to rather than holding this possibility as an awareness. Um, but then, so, so speaking to the parallel between the work of Byron Katie and mm -hmm. Ra's, um, what Ra offers. So one of the, the central teachings that they offer is they, they call the balancing exercises. Um, and they, they say out of everything that they offered is the most um, directly applicable to human life. Like there's a lot of just information of like, you know, the, the history of humans on earth, or there's a lot of just informational. Um, but then there's also the, the teachings on here's what you can do. Um, and, and that's called the balancing exercises. And for mm -hmm. me, it's really parallel to the work and, um, and hard to crack. 
it's really hard to crack in Ra's telling, which makes sense because they're not incarnate on earth. They're not, you know, they, they don't have these human bodies. It's hard to like, wait, what did you say, Ra? But with me having, um, you know, so, so many years of experience of deep self-inquiry meditation, I find so much parallel and overlap between what I hear them say and, and my experience of the balancing exercises. You know, they talk about, mm-hmm. um, being able to find the opposite of what you believe and um, being able to find love in the moment, you know, when it may have seemed as though there wasn't mm-hmm. love there. And, and mm-hmm. that is so, so exactly what I experienced with, with the work. So um, I feel a lot of congruency for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting what you're saying about listening to an experience without translating it into a belief. That feels yeah. like the key to me to what you said. So I'm also like bringing, looking at it in terms of like, in terms of like Christianity where, yeah. you know, perhaps uh, Jesus uh, was communicating his experiences or his experience. And perhaps it was made into a belief by some people. And then the experience sort of lost in the, in the belief and then yeah. we get into duality and separation and divisiveness and all these things. So that's an interesting thing that can happen with anything where there's some sort of transmission or some sort of channeling of a, of a deep uh, truth from an awakened consciousness yeah. and someone can make it into, can get caught into beliefs about it, make it into belief and get into a, a mental space yeah. and lose that, that uh, the aliveness of that transmission. Yeah. Well, and, and from my perspective, it's really helpful to, um, to be aware of that and to not make that wrong, you know, because I think that's so much of what the human experience is here for. I am here to appear as though I'm a separate self. Mm -hmm. And then I also have the option while I'm appearing as a separate self to see through that, you know, wake Mm -hmm. up from the dream while I'm in the dream. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I, I just find that it's really helpful to, to not make you know, the ego wrong because it's part of the game. It's just part of the friendly universe that was set up for us. And like, we can find out why and how that that's good. <laughs> you know. Well, what's so amazing. I think the, the whole intention to me is can we wake up as the oneness in, in the duality in, in the, the mm-hmm. oh, there's BJ over there. There's Brian yeah. over here. Yeah, now we yeah, can have so much yeah. fun playing together. Absolutely. <laughs> knowing yeah, that it becomes abundant. Knowing that we're the exact same essence. Yeah, I know. It becomes abundance. Like it becomes rather than separation, it's like, oh my gosh, not only is there a me, but there's a you. Exactly. And there's tea. And exactly. there's a tree out there. And I have a pillow. And yeah. oh my gosh, the list goes on. There's a bird out my window. Like, yeah. oh, it's all grace. Yeah. It just is all exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if there was 8 billion Brian's, that'd be like really boring, you know, but if there's like <laughs> everybody's a different face and color and, you know, personality and that right, can be, exactly. it, it can be a really beautiful world to, to play in. Um, while we're at the same time, everyone's at the same essence, you know? And then yeah. of course, like the question is like, how do we, how do we, I don't even like to say maintain or because I think there's something even illusionary about that. But like, how do we be in, how do we be in that conscious, conscious awareness 
and you know right. these these um, tools and tips that you're giving us are, as you said, they're the how. Yeah. So let me just ask how this is. Have you noticed as you've gone through the work? Have you noticed changes in your life and shifts mm-hmm. in your life? And then we'll talk yeah. about the the course that you're offering then as well. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent changes in my life. Um, I think I've always, as, as long as I can remember, I've, I've had, I, I've lived with the blessing of an open heart um, and an open mind. Like I just somehow came in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, this is the cultivation of that. You know, mm-hmm. this is the cultivation of myself. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, my experience is it's a way of falling in love with myself and then through that falling in love with everything, um, which, which has always been my heart's desire, you know, to like, to find the yes and the goodness of everything. And I've looked, you know, under so many stones and around so many corners of like, how do I do this, you know, and practicing in BC and, and you know, there's so many good tools, you know, I don't think this is the only one, this one works for me really well. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, again, it's one of those paradoxes, it, this, this practice supports me in becoming more of who I already am <laughs> and, and removing the barriers, any barriers from that would keep me from being the gift and the blessing that I am. Doesn't Barn Katie have a book called, if it's not, it's called either this or very similar to this, Loving What Is. Yeah, that's it. Loving What Is, yeah. That kind of sums it up, right? Yeah. And I, I yeah. think I think where, where people can get, get caught up in that is and we kind of touched on it already, but it doesn't mean that you're like trying to be happy or you're trying to like, you know, put the, right. make this impression of like, oh, I just love everything no matter what. It's, yeah. it love, love includes um, embracing sadness if you have sadness or mm-hmm. if there is anger arising, you know, uh, uh, you know, yeah. being, embracing that and, and, or fear or, whatever we think is like dark or shadow or negative or bad, you know, it's like embracing whatever is like a a simple way. I like to say it is an unconditional relationship with the moment. Mm -hmm. Just really being able to be with what is. And then in that there's, there's a loving what is, but not, not the love, the way it's that word is sometimes used. It's like this deeper, the deepest, really the deepest level of love. Yeah. It's a love that isn't personal, you know, that's Mm -hmm. like, that's, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not doing the love. I'm not loving Brian or loving this moment. It just is the, the unfolding, the blossoming of the heart. That's just like delicious and exquisite. Love that. I love that. And then I love this, this, like, it's a paradox to me because I totally love that. And then I love coming together with people that are on this path as well. There feels something like there's something valuable about that or something mm-hmm. that's important yeah. about that, which is a good segue to your course. Mm, yes, that is a good segue to my it. course. <laughs> yeah, okay, so um, I'm launching an online 
program, a year long journey. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people who um, experience the work, it feels as though there's like a barrier to, to, um, to getting in, you know, it's like, there's a lot to, to grok. There's a lot to sit with. I, and it's very helpful to have a facilitator and who am I going to find to facilitate me? And so my attempt for this in, in creating this program is to remove a lot of those barriers. Um, so signing up for the course, you have a monthly partner who's going to facilitate you, you know, and you're going to facilitate them. Um, you have a, a home when you, team. When you say facilitate, like, what does that mean exactly? Yeah. So that means um, like read the questions on the card, you know? So, um, so if I, I have something come up, up, like if I, if I, um, if I'm, you know, having some kind of relational conflict or I just, you know, just whatever, something's arising for me that you, if you're my, if you're facilitating with me, you would help me through the questions and help me work through it. Exactly. Okay. So I would help provide the container and the space yeah. for the inquiry. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm trying to fix you. It right. just means I'm here, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. And then when you're done answering question one, I ask you question two. Mm-hmm. When you're done, you know, then I ask yeah. you question three. Yeah. So it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's having a sacred witness and having mm-hmm. accountability partner. Um, yeah. So um, monthly inquiry partner. Um, there's also a small group um, cohort that your home team that you'll stay with throughout the year and have um, twice monthly check-ins. And so that's a way of like, um, you know, developing closer relationships with a few people. So that's going to mm-hmm. be, I haven't decided quite yet, but some, somewhere between three and five people in the home team, um, you know, so we can track each other and we can, you know, how's it going for you? How's this month? You know, what, what are your challenges? Um, and then there's um, twice monthly optional group support calls. Um, so then I'll be on the call and people can bring their questions or I can facilitate people, you know, and I can also, you know, having more experience on the journey, perhaps than some people, although that's not necessary. Any, any level of experience in the work is welcome. Um, but if people have questions or want to be facilitated, that can happen on the group support calls. Um, we're also going to have an online platform on Slack so everybody can stay in touch. And Slack is a, um, it's similar to email, uh, or it's like, it's like a cross between emails and chat rooms. Um, and it's a way to, um, to for all the participants to be in touch um, and share the journey in that way. And, and then also to receive the content. And so it's, um, the year long journey is also going to run parallel to the book that you mentioned, Loving What Is. Um, and so there's an optional book study. People can read the book along with the, um, along every month. That, so people who, who are reading the book, there's like assigned chapters for this month and it parallels a monthly theme. So I'll, I'll, I'm also creating a theme for every month, like an invitation you know, if you don't know what to put, where to put your focus on your inquiry, well, this month, you're welcome to put it onto, um, you know, your family of origin, you know, if that, if that's interesting. There's, a, there's a lot to work or, on there for most people. Yeah. Or like <laughs> then the next month, you know, you can look at money and career mm. or the next month, you know, it just sort of like hits all of these places where mm. we, 
there's juicy little pockets yeah. probably for all of us to look yeah. at. Um, yeah. So there's, there's um, a lot of pieces to it and a lot of them are optional. So people can, you know, um, take on, you know, this much for the year or take on this much or um, yeah. That's awesome. Is there, how do people register? How do they find, how do they get more information? Yeah. So there's a couple places that it's listed. One is my personal website, which is step into truth.com step into truth.com. It's listed under events. That's a good domain. I like that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Me too. Um, and the program is called abiding in the heart. And it also is listed on the heaven announcement that you might be excited about Brian's and today is the first day that we have launched our new website for the temple of the open heart. I was going to ask you about that too, actually. Yeah. So this program abiding in the heart is a collaboration between step into truth, which is my platform for sharing the work and the temple of the open heart, which is really an unfolding of this, um, the law of one study group that's been taking place for many years and has catalyzed so much um, in our community. So we've formed a, a nonprofit church um, that is called the Temple of the Open Heart. And our intention is to build a physical temple um, at some point in the future, some point in the next few years. Um, and for now, there's a, there's a lot that exists as the temple without there being a physical space. And so this this um, is the first collaboration between Step Into Truth and the temple. So the program is also listed on um, the temple website, which is Toto, T-O-T-O-H, Temple of the Open Heart, toto.org. Um, and it's listed under offerings on that website. Sweet. Yeah. And you have, you have like a, a community coming together. How many people are there now in living in? Yeah. Oh, I just remembered you're on the website. You're, you're in one of the pictures from, I'm pretty sure. From so then everybody the really picture. should go to the website now. <laughs> go, go see <laughs> Ryan's lovely face. See my lovely face on the website. <laughs> no, but you have like, let's see, you have maybe like 10 or 12 people maybe uh, in community coming together now. Out, out where you're living? So we have various containers. Where we're living now, yeah, is about a dozen people. Mm -hmm. There's four houses. Um, yeah, and then and some adults and some children, about yep. a dozen of us. Um, mm -hmm. and, um, and then there's a lot of different projects that happen here on the land. They're all listed on the Temple website. Um, we have a cooperative homeschool that we just started where we host study group. We have um, regular Harmony Council. I don't know whether you even know about Harmony Council. I think I do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A so that's bit. a way of proactively coming into conversation with one another and working mm -hmm. on our relationships as mm -hmm. well as um, uh, means of repair. You know, so if mm -hmm. something happens, the Harmony Council has many ways to support relationships finding repair mm -hmm. um yeah so harmony council study group i don't know there's more <laughs> there's the, a lot the, that we're, the temple um, is the idea for the temple is like a non-denominational non-denominational space right yeah 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 
And yeah, what, yeah we us. call it open sport, open source spirituality. Nice. Um, open so source it's like spirituality. A, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's basically for those of us on some sort of mystical path, you know, looking mm -hmm. to find our direct experience of, you know, goodness, rather mm -hmm. than someone telling me about it. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it's great to have someone tell me about it too, you know, for instance, raw, mm -hmm. um, but that there's also, you know, through meditation or through, you know, so many different ways of healing ourselves, healing and untraumatizing our, our nervous systems. There's so many ways of actually touching into the goodness directly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much we can, so, so much that we can grow and evolve and learn through coming together in community. Um, and I think, I still feel like there's, I think the zoom stuff and everything is, has opened some doors that aren't there before, which is really good, but there is still something like irreplaceable about coming together in person that feels really, yeah. it's almost like there's like a vibrational resonant frequency that you can attune to. It's like in the body, you know, and you can attune to when you're, I think there's um, is it called heart math, right? Where they study the, the electromagnetic frequency of the heart. And when you're in a certain, uh, yeah. uh, uh space together there's an attunement that happens actually i think you can be at a distance too but anyway there's an attunement that happens between our hearts and the, yeah. the physiology of our bodies it's yeah that's pretty special yeah. so so and then there's a little here's a little plug for um checking out the the law of one the raw material um in in our study group on sunday Ra was specifically talking about that about um the way that you know there is this truth right that we're all one mm -hmm. yeah and then there's this um apparent separation and we mm -hmm. we take these you know seemingly separate yeah. bodies yeah. and for humans in particular um we have these sort of tender you know defenseless bodies you know we don't have mm -hmm. so much hair as bears and we don't mm -hmm. have you know we don't have these ways to protect ourselves claws that. and so forth yeah, and that's yeah. specifically part of the program so that we have to come together to work things out, you know, and, and that there also is this um, sort of like loneliness is the way that Ra puts it, loneliness mm -hmm. of the physical body, like the, the body craves touch and companionship. Mm -hmm. and um, Yeah, and it's part of the program that makes it so that we come together and we work, we work these things out, you know, because in relationship is where these stories come up so often, you know, the I and the opposition and, you know, I want to, I want to work that out so that I can be in relationship with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're complete. Anything else you want to share? I mean, obviously I can keep talking. You could. <laughs> I'm excited to talk. No, that, that's, that's great. Yeah, well, thanks so much for being here. I'm glad we made it happen. And you know, I always mm -hmm. love our time together to share. And I'll, uh, I'll put the link when we put this out. I'll have the links for the, the websites that you stated. And thank to all, thanks to all of you for being here. And see you in the next time. Thank you for being a part of this amazing community. The Brian Piergrossi Podcast is produced by 
Brian Piergrossi. Assistant producer, Giovanni Piergrossi. Please subscribe and leave a review or comment on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me online on Facebook or Instagram. For personal sessions with me, contact me at thebigglow.com. That's T-H-E-B-I-G-G-L-O-W.com.